Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Chris Martin and Coldplay. I still dig that visual that I sleep alone and sweep the streets. I used to roam, and if you're a doc in the old model, those are streets you used to own, but now you're sweeping them. You know, you get the picture. Anyway, welcome to This Week in Accountable Care. <laughs> I am your your host, uh, Greg Masters. Uh, and, uh, hey, uh, we're brought to you by the uh, Health Innovation Broadcast Consortium, I might add. And uh, today I'm delighted to have an encore appearance by a colleague and uh, someone who I feel often as we're like brothers from another mother because we think so alike in in, um, in the health reform, accountable care, reengineering space, and that would be Mr. Leonard Kish. So, uh, Leonard, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, so uh, joining, uh, of course, Rocky Mountain Front Range Country, Leonard's from the Denver area, and we are originating from San Diego, California today, and let me tell you that uh, Leonard is a thought leader <clears throat> and an advocate for patient-centered health care and uh, has uh, most recently been uh, popularized by a colleague, Dave Chase, over at Forbes, where he wrote a blog post titled Patient Engagement is the Blockbuster Drug of the Century. It was an attribution that uh, has stuck uh, with Leonard's name, uh, uh, repeated by the likes of Eric Topol at HIMSS and, and others. Anyway, Leonard's a deep thinker, yeah, and I mean that in, a, in, in no way in, uh, other than it's intended, which he, he knows his stuff. And... Uh, in a recent blog post, uh, he equated the movement or the push into accountable care as the equivalent of what I'm calling, if you're familiar with the new, new thing that was written uh, by Michael Lewis uh, quite some time ago, trying to describe the whole healthy on experience and the movement, the premature movement, if you will, into how to fix this healthcare problem that we have in the book, The New, New Thing, talking about the birth of healthy on. So, Leonard has brought up uh, this idea of the new OS or this operating system as being maybe accountable care is this new operating system that's going to move this needle forward, and uh, we're going to talk about that. And so yeah, Leonard did a blog post. Check it out on ACLWatch.com or on the blog uh, program description for today's conversation. So with that verbose background, <laughs> let me kick it over to Leonard. And Leonard, tee it up for us. Talk about the blog post, how this idea of OS come to you, and, and what's your key message there? Well, the key message is that, uh, you know, how we manage processes, priorities, and resources under value-based care uh, has to, first of all, change substantially because uh, the way we've been doing it has become completely unaffordable and unsustainable. Um, and the other part is that, you know, there's a better way of 
of doing things, just like installing a new operating system. Um, you know, I use the example of Microsoft in the 80s. It, you know, the big value proposition then was that they could abstract away a lot of the messy hardware elements of the system, and you could write new applications um, that were more focused on what the users wanted, and uh, the users and the developers didn't have to deal with a lot of that messiness. And I hope that uh, through Accountable Care, we're heading in that direction where uh, a lot of the the messiness, the billing codes, the complexity, the administrative complexity of healthcare is going to fall more into the background, and and the physicians and the resources of healthcare can focus more on what patients want because uh, it's expensive so, the other ways. So you, and you given low maybe quality. introduce the, and so you you introduce the idea. You, you quote uh, uh, Tim O'Reilly. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, actually, that's taken from a post that uh, Tim did on the uh, Internet operating system a couple years ago. Um, you know, he's the the head of O'Reilly Media that writes a lot of uh, developer books, um, and he's a you know a, a, a deep thinker on, on technology issues and, and open source. Um, and he was writing about the Internet operating system. You know, if the Internet had an operating system. What would it what would it look like? And he describes, you know, the operating systems of uh, on a individual computer that I that I uh, described at a high level there. Um, and then he talks a little bit about, you know, what a distributed operating system um, the internet has. And I think uh, just to bring it all back, I think that uh, we've we are moving towards a more virtualized healthcare system, a more distributed system. Uh, Vince Caritas brought this up at Healthcare Unbound uh, a little while ago and used the example of uh, Dwight Eisenhower when he had a heart attack here in uh, in uh, Denver, the same location where Healthcare Unbound was held, um, where, you know, when people are located within a facility, it's, it's relatively easy to collaborate. Um, but as we move towards more uh, patient-centered uh, healthcare, um, you know, Another quote from the conference was, uh, you know, patients don't care about health. They care about their lives. And I think uh, if it's really patient-centered, uh, it's going to be focused on making healthcare work in the context of where people live and operate and make decisions about their life on a daily basis, and that means a more distributed system and a more virtualized system. <laughs> so that's a lot. Uh, uh, right. No. No, 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 but that that's good. So so the idea would be at some level, you know, using the software and the hardware analogy, I mean, that's Microsoft, you know, took the space on in the PC world and they they just made it easier. They they connected stuff and they they built sort of a turnkey ecosystem through this software yeah. uh Uber structure. So to connect right. that to healthcare. Connect it to healthcare. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, you know, Topol brings this up, uh, you know, do I really, do we really need office visits? Um, uh, another example from the post, so Cisco did a study saying that, you know, 70% of people would rather uh, have a virtual visit for most things. Um, most patients don't want to 
make the extra trip. You know, you, you essentially, for most things, um, you want it to be more transparent. You want to keep on living your life and just uh, have the decisions that you need made or the actions that you need made uh, made and taking place. Um, and I also talk about in the post uh, related to that is rather than uh, trying to scale physician time and therefore making office visits shorter and shorter, uh, the key element in, in this new kind of system is going to be scaling decision-making. Um, uh, because that's ultimately what uh, most patients want is a decision and, and, a, and a way to move forward. So you, you referred to accountable care. You didn't specifically enumerate an ACO per se, so you're you're more you're you're more generic as to as to accountable care as what a a movement as an industry. Did you purposefully use accountable care versus an ACO as an aggregator of the ecosystem? Yeah, I'm certainly not talking about the Medicare ACO model per se. Uh, you know, accountable care as uh, the overall concept. Um, you know, private and uh, uh, Medicare-based as well. Um, it, because it, it's one way or another, it's it's happening. You know, Aetna's making moves. Uh, Sam Ho was uh, the uh, CMO from United Healthcare was recently quoted as saying, uh, you know, they're making a $50 billion investment in these more accountable care type contracts and that uh, – they're not going back. So it's happening a lot faster, I think, um, than most realize. I mean, certainly it's, it's largely fee-for-service for now, but uh, uh, it, it sure seems to be changing fast. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I, I'm more interested in your thought process. I, You know, you're, you're, you seem to be incubating on this for quite some time, you know, from from Moneyball and ACOs to Dark Matter to, you know, patient engagement as the uh, blockbuster drug of the century to now this idea of OS and and maybe this question of hardware, you know. So you made reference to Jim Hansen's quote that on the blog post uh, that uh, you know this is a journey. And not a program per se. You know, he's quoted saying, uh, "Value-based care is a transformational journey, not a back-end contract-driven program that you overlay onto your right. existing delivery systems, you know, organizations, people, process, and technologies, and expect different results." You know, that reminds right. me of the off-quoted Einstein quote that you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, you're just insane, right? So. How are we different today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he brought up the key point, which is really what I'm getting at with the uh, the operating system analogy. It's, uh, you know, uh, Christensen talks about resources, processes, and priorities, the RPP model. And uh, resources are probably not going to change a lot. You know, the technologies, the physicians, the People that work in healthcare uh, are not going to change substantially. But when you over, when you have a new business model, um, just like when you have a new operating system, 
the priorities and the processes through which you perform your tasks uh, change dramatically. And that is not a small undertaking. Uh, it, it takes uh, a lot of planning, a lot of thought, a lot of foresee- foresight, and a lot of leadership. Uh, thinking through how to re-engineer all those pieces into a, into a new business model. So back to maybe the O'Reilly's definition is that the OS abstracts away the difficulty in managing the devices and processes. The computer runs so applications can focus on what the user wants to do. So the healthcare equivalent of that and why I ask about ACO versus accountable care is we're really talking about this culture shift perhaps best expressed by Don Berwick and the idea of the triple aim. And then you right. the, operating, the operating system inside of the triple aim would be this accountable care. And then the question is, okay, who are the agents, who are the aggregators or the system managers, if you will, the OS inside that ecosystem? If it's not an ACO or an integrated delivery system or a patient-centered medical home, I'm not sure who fill-in-the-blank is. So what, what's your thought there? Well, in the near term, I think you think about abstraction, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is concierge medicine. You know, it's a flat rate. It's uh, it's uh, uh, and certainly it's only good for uh, a certain part of the healthcare spectrum uh, for um, primary care. But you know, it's a flat rate. It's uh, it's simple. You pay an amount, you get a, uh, an amount of services, and you don't have to think too much about um, what happens behind the scenes and the way that the care is delivered is largely up to the providers. They have a lot of flexibility with how that uh, care is now um, distributed, per se. Um, can it be on the phone? Sure. Can it be over the web? Sure. Can it be through uh, uh, home monitoring equipment? Sure. It's uh, It winds up giving uh, those kinds of physicians and that kind of model a lot of flexibility. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh direct practice or retainer medicine, in some cases people refer to it or a subset might as concierge. But here Dave Chase comes back and talks about the bunker buster and that direct practice and retainer medicine may be the bunker buster, which says, hey, you know what, let's stop tweaking at the margins. Let's just get really disruptive. What we invented isn't working. Let's just go to the Q-Lions model or the Iora model, or as we've seen now from DaVita, who uh, who acquired, uh, who were they called? Paladin, Paladina Health, who's also a direct practice model. They're a management company syndicating a new footprint. That seems to completely <laughs> leap over ACOs entirely. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but I, but what percentage of the healthcare system can those systems manage? I, I don't think it's. No, I don't even want to guess. 
Yeah, <laughs> you probably have a better guess than I do. Yeah. But I no, did, you, but, point. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're still going to have the kind of services that large institutions provide, um, you know, you're still going to need large institutions and they're still going to have to adapt their model towards more collaborative care in some way. What that looks like, I think, is anybody's guess. So would this maybe foster a segmentation in the ecosystem that may be complexity-driven? In other words, the direct practice or retainer model might do for primary care type entities, but not necessarily high-tech, high-complexity care like cancer? Yeah, I think that's probably appropriate. I think that, uh, you know, going back to the whole re-engineering, redesign thing, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of when you're dealing with complex systems, um, you need to take a real uh, iterative approach, um, and you need to understand the context in which your customers are uh, using the services that you're looking to provide. So it really takes, I think, uh, a bit of wiping the slate clean, going back and saying, you know, what is the job to be done that um, uh, a patient in each one of these different contexts, call it segmentation, uh, call it what you want, but in their specific context, what's what are their needs, uh, what are their goals, to go back to the uh, dark matter uh, analogy, and how do we provide that? Because I think if you focus on their goals, and the context and what they need, you can probably find a lot of waste in the system to, to pull out. Um, you know, some of this is, is uh, user-centered design principles, um, which are, and, and behavioral design and uh, understanding is gonna be key. Um, and I think it's going to take – the successful programs, I think, are going to be the ones that really understand how to how to take that uh, user-centered design methodologies and apply them to healthcare. I don't know what those look like, but that's the kind of uh, uh, analysis I think needs to be done. Well, but just backing up a little bit here uh, and reading from your, your, your blog, you, you write, uh, you know, to uh, – elaborate on the OS concept and the old versus the new volume versus value. You write, uh, moving from a volume-based OS to a value-based OS means moving from a time-driven OS to a decision-driven OS. <laughs> uh, and then Vince Kuritis is quoted as saying, it's the movement of physical assets then to virtual and digital assets in a more distributed platform architecture. We got that from what you've already said, but what is the time versus uh, decision-driven shift here? I'm not, I'm not clear on that. Yeah, what, so, what, what do you mean uh, by that? Well, the example, uh, the easy example is physician's time. Um, in a, in a, if you're managing the resource of physician's time in the old model, then uh, in order to scale physician's time, you need to uh, make appointments shorter and shorter so that they can bill for that appointment, uh, you know, high volume. So it's simple, right? But in the new model, it's the decisions that physicians make during that time that matters. So if, uh, 
a physician changes the uh, order for a prescription uh, that, you know, prevents a readmission, um, in a value-based care system, that decision is worth, you know, hundreds of appointments, ideally. So the question then becomes, how do you scale decision-making ability of physicians rather than trying to scale their time? How do you scale the decision-making ability of your healthcare system? Right, and I would assume that <clears throat> other than some of these demos and, and pilots around value-based care or what may have been commercially negotiated between a health plan and a participating network or integrated delivery system, this is pretty much tweaking at the margins. It's, it's, it's not scaling. It's, it's, it's taking this vision of value versus volume and saying, okay, what does it mean in terms of re-engineering people, places, processes, right? Right, uh, which, you know, it, it makes you, and certainly there's some areas where it's not going to change. You know, if you need a, a high-complexity cases or surgery cases, there's, uh, a, there's not much that's going to change because the, the, the the resources aren't going to change that much for the for the job that needs to be done. Um, for other areas, it it is changing. Oh, it's changing. Um, so, where does the patient engagement? Where does the role? Uh, so, in this, uh, in the consideration here, you know. Um, Where's this patient? What's the patient's role? Is it is it part of the reconsideration, or where is it in the continuum of the shift? Well, certainly it's patient-centered care, right? So it's the, the patient ideally should be at the at the center of the decisions that need to be made. I think if you, in general, if you can make better decisions for patients um, and you can focus on their goals, then they wind up needing less care because they get more uh, engaged in the, the process of healthcare. And I think that uh, certainly incentives have to be aligned with patients as well. Let, let me ask you to speculate. Let's say you were going to take this patient-centered template and superimpose it on American medicine today and simply say, as we build, you know, we're going to use this these criteria of what constitutes a patient-centered medical home or anything that's essentially patient-centric, uh, what, 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 what percentage of practices would, would actually pass that screen? Oh wow! Uh, certainly less than five, probably less than one percent. Although, uh, you know, just but I do feel like it's just from personal experience it is changing a little bit. Um, we had an incident a few weeks ago where, for the first time ever, I think uh, our child had a uh, had a need to see a uh, uh, 
his pediatrician. And uh, we didn't actually have to come into the office. They handled everything on the phone. Um, I see um, uh, surgery centers where uh, a friend of mine's wife just had a, a big um, procedure done, uh, full replacement of uh, knee, and they spent, you know, a good half a day training the patients about what they can do to uh, prevent hospital-based infections. Um, is some of that due to the penalties for 30-day readmissions? Uh, almost certainly. Um, and, and when my friend talked to the people there, uh, they, you know, in private, they would admit as much. You know, the, there wasn't the justification to uh, expend resources on treating people over the phone or um, educating patients before that, you know, now uh, there is. So it is, it may be at the margins, um, but, uh, but it is changing. And I think the hope is that as we uh, continue to see reductions in costs, increases in quality, um, you know, these same things are going to continue and get closer and closer towards the center. So that's an excellent example of maybe the shift forward towards volume. Is that an OS or is that a hardware issue or is it both? Uh, it's, I think it's, I think it is an OS issue. Um, uh, you know, you can only take the analogy so far, um, but how the resources are being managed is certainly changing. Um, and patients are, uh, you know, through the pioneer ACOs, one of Dave Chase's quotes that it, they have discovered that patients have a lot of valuable information um, and are one of the more critical elements of the care team um, in order to uh, prevent bad things uh, from happening and high expensive care from happening. Um, to go towards more of a, I guess you'd consider it more of a distributed model where, or <laughs> again, I don't want to take the, the analogy too far, but to more of an API kind of a model or platform model and, you know, the Aetna and, and United are, are using this analogy as well, um, where the, the jobs that are done can be distributed more towards patients. You know, a patient can take his own blood pressure, his or her own blood pressure, can do his own ECG, can, um, um, can provide information that used to be done at the clinic can now be provided at home. Um, and that's more resource efficient for everybody involved. But I'm still trying. So if OS could be context, uh, then hardware is people, places, and things, right? So right. Just, as an, just as an example, let's say you're moving towards this patient-centered care, ACO or not, but patient-centered, and you've got a doc who's not a team player. Uh, a doc who's not a team player is a, is a matter of swapping out hardware, doc who's not a team player, with new hardware, doc that is, under the context of the OS, which is we're about patient-centered care. Is that a correct illustration? 
Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Mark Blatt from Intel uh, said it, uh, also said Healthcare Unbound. Uh, you know, your old processes, your old ways of doing things uh, sucked. <laughs> so, uh, is that a technical term? <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to recreate those. Um, so, if uh, if you want to be a you know a, a hardware device that doesn't want to interoperate with uh, other parts of the system, um, <laughs> your utility in the new model of more collaborative care. And more patient-centered care is going to be limited. Hmm. We are, well, time has flown by here, Leonard. Let's see, where are we? Um, okay, well, we're coming up on uh, about a minute left in the live portion of the broadcast. Uh, uh, there's so many more things I actually want to talk to you about because uh, I think this is such a useful framework, you know, to to flush out uh, a situation assessment of where are we, where do we want to go, and how do we sort of uh, uh, view the ecosystem uh, in terms of <laughs> where is it OS, where is it, where is it hardware kind of question. So, yeah, uh, and, you know, my goal is with all this is not to, you know, say, you know, this is what, this is what it is. My idea is just to create an analogy that's useful to uh, think about things in a, in a potentially new way. Um, as we move forward. Okay, so hold on. I don't want to step on you, but do you have a, a few minutes to go in overtime and continue the conversation, or do we need to stop sure. uh, right here at the final? Okay, very good. Well, Jared, wrapping up the live portion of the broadcast, we've been speaking with Leonard Kish on his new concept of Cattle Care's new OS and transformation. We're going to continue into overtime, and we do this weekly on This Week Accountable Care. This is Greg Masters saying to the live audience, bye now. I hate it when it does that. <laughs> anyway, I try to make that uh, seamless transition with sound not too offensive to one's ear ball, uh, ear, um, ears, anyway. So, um, Leonard, I, what we were talking before we went on the air as uh, maybe another example of um, what seems to be in this inside this ecosystem, parallel universes. Um, and, and the example I... I brought up was uh, last night I was at a, a session on integrative oncology and a, a really progressive Western trained evidence-based medical oncologist, uh, senior partner at uh, um, a group called uh, San Diego Cancer Center, uh, was acquired by UCSD, and, uh, but they've made a 10-year-plus commitment to integrative oncology. And during the Q&A in the session, these are many cancer patients, family, loved ones, friends, etc., of cancer patients uh, in the audience. Uh, one question was getting to this care model and what is appropriate care for cancer patients, whether it's integrative or more traditional Western medicine approach. And he had the, and this guy is a, is a physician who should be cloned 10,000 times because he, he's got it. He's got the DNA of what makes a great doctor. But he said to the audience, you know, part of the problem in the care experience 
is that oncologists are so busy, they don't have the time that you deserve, right? And as I heard that, I'm, I'm going, wow. You know, I, the first thing I thought of was John Madison at Kaiser, whose famous quote is, you get what you intend. Uh, and I'm thinking, geez, how can a doctor, a medical oncologist, be too, bu- too busy to do what's right for the patient? And I went to, well, it's the business model, stupid, right? You know, they're not being incentive to do what's right. So how do we take this OS hardware re-engineering proposition into that world where value where a value agenda begins to incorporate things that, at least to this point in time, are not covered benefits from a health plan perspective or not necessarily seen as mainstream medicine to the lion's share of physicians. Does that make sense? Can you give me a little more background on the on the the institution or what's the changes that are taking place? So it, well, it the, the sounded idea, like on one hand they're yeah. ready to make the changes, but on the other hand they're they're not ready. Well, I, I'm thinking of it from the point of view of fee for value, and in the fee for value question, it leads to a growing contingent of cancer patients is that it should include what are called integrative services, meditation, acupuncture, qigong, you know, these kinds of things that improve the patient experience and quality of life and presumably benefit outcomes, Right. And that's happening. Well, yeah, I think that's the key as, word, though, is presumably. I think if you can't show, I, I I love all those things, but ultimately, if if someone's going to pay for it, then there has there's some efficacy has to be shown, right? Um, it can't just be about experience, or it's or it's a different job. Even in the the triple aim uh, of uh, quality, price, and experience. Uh, it, it, there is going to be a limit if you can't show the efficacy of a treatment, right? Uh, yeah, and, and that may be a, a soft spot right now because I don't know that busy practitioners necessarily have time to write grants and and to do empirical outcomes-based studies. But let's just say, you know, one part of the triple aim is improved customer experience. You know, uh, I think universally cancer patients who are in an integrated program will say, <laughs> there's no question, it improves my experience. You know, and then the focus on exercise, diet, health, all that, you know, certainly adds to treatment regimen. So anyway, I, I, I guess when we talk value, there's this world out there that's being provided in the integrative setting through volunteers. Because And why volunteers? Because it's not a covered benefit for the most part. But right. if doing what's right for, doing what's right for the patient shouldn't be about what's necessarily a covered benefit, right? So somewhere these, somewhere these worlds need to merge, and I'm thinking the value, they merge at the level of what's value, you know, to the patient. Yeah, I think um, what's valuable to the patient uh, and versus what's valuable uh, for a, as a benefit um, are probably two different things until we get to that utopian state where, you know, everything is somehow 
measured and we still retain privacy and so we can see exactly how well you know yoga or qigong or these other things uh actually work to improve uh, improve things and at one extent is uh how much of this how much of it is mental health and how much of it is physical health and how much does mental health have uh, have an effect on physical health and are we covering you know soft mental health versus you know real diagnosable things i don't know it's uh it's always going to be a uh it's never going to be a clear demarcation right it's always going to be a little bit fuzzy until maybe we have better information Right. Well, and all the more reason that accountable care and accountability is about taking a look at and having an evidence-based approach that what you're doing has efficacy and so forth. So, so let's right. let's kind of let me let's sort of wind down or conclude with this. In your opinion, is it is a new OS a sufficient, or will it really require new hardware? What what do you th- what do you say? I think that the job uh, I'll go back to the job that um, we want done. Um, presumably, we want uh, the job to be people getting better, either preventing problems or fixing problems once once they happen. Um, the job to be done, um, in large part, probably can be managed by the hardware that's out there. Um, so I think it probably is just the OS. It's just a matter of reconfiguring that hardware so it um, pulls in or reconfiguring the OS so it, it, you get the right hardware, but you also uh, get the full range of hardware that's, and services that are available out there to to get the job done. Um, so but are there new pieces minimally... of hardware? Are there new are there gonna be new companies providing new services that can plug into the exist to a new system easier uh over the long term? Uh, absolutely. I think that's and I think that's really where the opportunity is to go back to the OS analogy. If healthcare is undergoing this change, like uh, what happened with uh, Windows in the 80s, then it's going to open up a, a lot of opportunity for new um, software or service providers uh, to become integrated into the system. Uh, but that's probably not going to happen um, on the existing OS or the or the existing IT infrastructure, uh, and that might require uh, new players and a completely new hardware system. To, system to come in to do the same job but more efficiently. I think it's I think it can the re hardware the hardware can be reconfigured but it'll it, it's it'll be a massive undertaking. So I think the market will determine uh whether or not it's the new players can provide uh, enough of these services and how much. So it, but it's Sticking to the OS side, it's it's really much more about being a cultural shift, and not so much job description revisions or <laughs> or or, or uh, 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 mantras or mission statements. It really has to be 
a psychology, it has to be a way of life. Accountable care has to be a way of life and a culture, not just a mission statement or tagline. Correct? Absolutely. Uh, and going beyond that, I think one of the, the key parts that's that's missing in terms of <laughs> reconfiguring the hardware is that uh, there's not much education for physicians out there on how to manage patients under these new models. Um, there was a conversation on the Society for Physician Entrepreneurs um, the other day uh, talking about just that. You know, if we're moving towards a, a more distributed system where there's where people can um, do more of their health care on their own terms at home or away from uh, existing institutions, there's not really any education for physicians out there. And uh, certainly love to see more uh, medical schools um, take on education around digital medicine and how to manage, how to scale their decision making um, to to meet these new needs and these new models. It really doesn't exist anywhere that I know of. Huge role for for academic medical centers to facilitate that shift. So, uh, Leonard, you're you're a, you're a money guy, uh, money ball type guy. So how far out is the uh, fulfillment of the triple aim for 50% of the healthcare ecosystem? How many years are we looking at? Oh, man, I, um, I know enough probability to – I should know. I should, I should know enough probability to know that uh, those things can't be predicted very well. But um, – Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. It, the, the smart statisticians don't get into predictions, so I'll uh, I'll stay out of that. Right. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I think Yogi Berra had a famous quote there that escapes me at the moment. So, all right, Leonard, thank you for joining me today on this week in Accountable Care. I always enjoyed chatting with you. Um, we have been speaking with Leonard Kish. He's a consultant, uh, blogger, social media personality, advocate for patient-centered care. Find him on Twitter at Leonard Kish. He also writes for the popular blog, hl7standards.com. And we have occasion to cross paths on the uh, conference circuit now and then. So, Leonard, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg. Pleasure. And we'll do it again. So there you have it. Thanks, Leonard. And we've been uh, chatting with Leonard on This Week in Cannibal Care. We do this on Wednesdays as often as possible at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Join us next week for another installment of This Week in Cannibal Care for Greg Masters saying, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now. Thanks, Leonard.
that was when I ruled the world. 